Amazing Texas guy for Bacardi, Mr. Dwayne Fernandez Jr. An amazing gentleman and amazing mentor has exposed so many interesting opportunities for this industry and is always looking out for the talent around him. It's great to hear his story. And this is about a year in the making again today. October 19th marks Dwayne's one year anniversary in Texas. And it took us almost a year just to sit down and chat. But what a lovely, lovely man he is. And what a brilliant fellow Aquarian chat this is. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Dwayne Fernandez Jr. I never wanted to bartend. I was waiting tables. I went to school for hotel restaurant management. Georgia State, right? Georgia State. Yeah. Wanted to become a concierge. Was waiting tables in college. Went to the, back to New York City. Got into the, um, <clears throat> got stayed in the restaurant industry and just was like, I'm gonna wait tables until I find that opportunity. But during that time, I was like back in New York City as a young adult. So yeah. I was like partying my butt off. Like, I mean, partying. <laughs> so like waiting tables was like perfect. Yeah. You know, like you could get off whenever you wanted. You could call out whenever you wanted to. You know, you took all your Some cash freedom. and you just went to the club. You spent it all out, you know, and then you went right back to work. Yeah. Um. So it had allowed me to have this like freedom, and then uh, I was working at this one place down in Soho, and I was on call. And they were, oh, the trick was you was they would always have three people on call, and you would just you would wait until like four minutes after. Okay. Because you're supposed to call five minutes beforehand. Gotcha. Right? Okay. And I would just wait. And this time they were like, we need you to come in. And I was at my friend's house like an hour away. And I'm like, God darn it. So I get all the way to work. And they're like, we try to reach you. We don't need you tonight. And I'm like, well, I was on the train. And like, we had cell phones, but you didn't have cell service on the train. Right, right. So I'm there. And I'm like, gosh, my whole weekend is ruined. It was a Saturday. And uh, they were like, have you ever bartended before? And I'm like, yeah, I've bartended before. I've never bartended before in my entire life. <laughs> I knew how to drink those cocktails. I wasn't, sure. and actually during that time, I was drinking, but I wasn't drinking. Got it. Because um, I was clubbing, which was like a whole other activity. Right? Yeah. yeah, I would have a drink, but I wasn't drinking. And uh, they were like, "Well, we need a bartender." Bartender did a no call, no show. It was a hot spot in Soho. Yeah, we just opened. That bar was busy, and my my good friend was behind the bar. He was one of my best friends at the time, um, and. I was like, yeah, I bartend. So I got behind the bar. It was a Mexican place, so thank God it was like nothing but margaritas, right? right? right. But uh, occasionally they would ask, they would like someone would say, hey, can I get a Manhattan? And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and so I uh, was like, Gregory, like, how do I make a Manhattan? He would like, tell me how to make a Manhattan. I'm like, okay. But once I remember, well, the thing of like getting behind the bar for me was that I went to school for um, high, uh, high school and even junior high school for dance and what kind of dance? 
Um, like modern dance. Yeah, modern dance. Yeah. Modern. Well, now everyone does hip hop, but like during that time, it was like eighties and nineties hip hop breaking kind of that okay. kind of yeah. But modern dance, jazz, study ballet. I had a little bit of tap. Um, and then, of course, like the junior high school, you went through all the talent. So you went acting, chorus. Yeah. Then I went to high school for performing arts. So I, in my heart of hearts, I always wanted to be like the star and be on, on stage, yeah, right? And, uh, you know, that had passed. And I, when I got behind the bar that night, I never, I, that was the first night in a very long time that I felt like I was the star of a show. Ah. And I was like, oh, I'm not going back to the floor ever again. Yeah. And so for like the remainder of the year, so funny. Not, and not, so f- I'm sorry to go so no, far no, back. Please. But for the remainder of the year, I worked for this company. It was called BR Gas. And so mm. like you could like, if they needed a server at another location, they would transfer you over. Because you had the same service, uh, service standards, but yeah. you just needed to learn their menu real briefly, right? Real quick, right? And so whenever I would go to the other stores, I would say, hey, I'm bartending now, which I wasn't. <laughs> Right, I'm like, if you need someone to pick up your shift, you know, right. please call me. And so they would call me, and I would pick up their shifts and get my service shift uh, covered. Oh, nice! And every pre-shift, they would, the company would have like a conference call talking about how many people they got on books and who's working. Right. And they were like, Dwayne Fernandez is at you know bar at uptown, and they're like, why is he there? He's supposed to be on the floor here. <laughs> <laughs> working the system, man. I got in trouble so many times, but I had to continue to do it. And I was like, and then. Um, I was supposed to be out for the next bar job, and they promised me, promised me, promised me. And I came in, one, came into work one day, and there was a young lady behind the bar training. And mm-hmm. we were going back into a busy season, and I knew they needed a female, but I had put in like six months of hustling, yeah, like moving, yeah. that and studying that I could bartend. Um, and so they denied me, which then I wound up leaving because I was like, I need to get behind the bar. Right. That's where I'm destined to be. And I, one of the first jobs was this place. Funny enough, it was called the Stone the Stonewall Bistro. Okay. Okay. So you have Stonewall, which is that iconic, right? Uh, LGBTQ XYZ no, yeah. <laughs> um, bar, and on the other side of it, attached was a restaurant. They weren't connected. They were connected through yeah, like a yeah. pathway. There were two different owners, but they were connected. And so that place was called the Stonewall Bistro. Okay. Right on Seventh Avenue, right off of Christopher Street in the Greenwich Village, mm. right? And, you know, in the mix of it in all. In the mix of it all. Um, when I think about it now, I'm like, damn, that's so iconic, right? Um, and so I went in there. I was young, I was cute, and the girl you know, manager, she bought, uh, she hired me on the spot, and I trained for like a whole week. Yeah. And uh, and they were telling me about the boss, the owner. He was like this really big, aggressive Italian guy, like really just big like that new york big bold right right and he walked in and it was my first shift and i was like setting up the bar i was like doing my last like polishing like wiping down the bar getting ready for like guests to come in mm-hmm. and he's just like comes in and he's like you know who the f are you and i'm like oh hi i'm Dwayne. you know i'm the new bartender <laughs> and he's like ah. you know how to make a rusty nail and i'm like a rusty nail like no, I've never even heard of a Westinelle. He's just like, you don't know how to make a Westinelle that you can't work at my establishment, so I have to let you go. God. That's and a I hell of a good... I was just like, this is a joke, right? And so the manager comes out, and she's like, hey, I forget what his name was. She's like, how's everything doing? He's like, you got this guy bartending in my place, and he doesn't know how to make a fucking Westinelle. It's like loud. And I'm right, like, right. I'm like, oh, this is serious. I was like, this is so serious. And she looked at me like, 
I can't do anything about it. If he says you can't work, you can't work. You Jesus. I mean? And uh, <laughs> I just like, just left. How do you, I mean, you got to feel pretty fucking down oh that, yeah it was like it was well the thing was this like i had i was lying to like i was in it i changed my resume from like 10 years of service experience uh-huh. to like bartending and so like i would go on interviews and i would get called out on things right and i'm like yeah. all the time <laughs> all the time i would get called out on something i'm like damn this i didn't know i don't know how to bartend but i used to like tell my uh my old managers because i had good relationships with them like yeah. hey i got a job they're gonna call you for a reference please tell them my bartending the way you didn't bartend just tell them please tell them right it's like they, they, one interview like you you invented the daiquiri what? <laughs> i'm like daiquiri? what's the daiquiri like i'm serious that's, I mean, so that, that's that, you know. I was talking to someone the other day, Miss Frank, Ms. Frankie Marshall. Yeah, interviewed her this week and love her. She just had that this kind of thing happen. It's almost the opposite. So she and she posted about this on Facebook, but she had someone that was applying to work at Boudoir, mm. and they mentioned having been trained by her, and they've been dropping her name in all these interviews. Oh no way! And she doesn't know who the hell this dude is. That's funny. Well, here. Look, you have to find your way to get in. Yes. And sometimes a little lie may take you a long way. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. A little lie. That's a little fine. lie. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. If I just say, I can, look, I'm just saying that I was trained by Frankie Marshall. I didn't say that Frankie Marshall trained me to shoot guns. You right, know what I right, mean? Right, like, right, right. If, if I get caught in that lie, we can all laugh it off. Sure, you know, like, sure. so I, and I, and I, you know, even when I was like getting to that place of like mentorship and, Folks were like, hey, how do I get behind the bar? I'm like, lie. <laughs> just lie. And like, just pull it off until like, you get that make opportunity. Make it till you make it. Yeah. It? yeah. I, gosh darn it. I did, even years later, I still had like, I was like looking at, looking at my resume. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't bartend at these three places here. <laughs> yeah, but I had gotten so used to it that I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I bartended, blah, blah, blah. This is what we made here, blah, blah, blah. It's so funny. That's crazy. It's so funny. But like, so... When I first got um, my first bartending job, which was in Chelsea, yeah. um, I didn't know how to make cocktails, but I knew flavors. Okay. I knew flavors. I knew how, I knew a balanced cocktail. I knew what cocktail tastes good to me, what the guests probably wanted. Mm. I still didn't even know how to make a Manhattan. Right. But, like, but maybe it doesn't matter because you maybe are making a Manhattan without even realizing it based on the flavors, right? But it was enough for like the, port, the proportions. Yeah. I, I didn't just... <laughs> Jiggers. We used the jigger there, but we didn't use that jigger for that purpose. Right. It was just like, no one was teaching us. This is the, we're talking like 2003. Yeah, yeah. Right? No one was like, not when I was, not in that part of bartending, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the craft kids, they were just starting to happen, but they were small in here. Yeah. It was just like, what? I mean, you have milk and honey. I think Bloisoli was open at that time. Um, I don't even know if Death and Co was open at that time. Yeah. Um, but you had the Sasha Pachowski's, like all those greats. And then, I mean, you had other bars, like, like the Albert Trummers and the Delagrafts, they were doing anything. Um, and so, but it was happening, the rumblings of like these, you know, these really cool cocktails are like happening, but no one knew where to go. Right. You know? It's not centralized yet. No, not at all. Not at all. I remember, oh gosh, the first time I went to a cocktail bar, I was like, in my world, I was blown away. Um, but, uh, for for a long time, for like two three years, no, I'm not gonna. I'm, that's too long. But a year, I was just making cocktails on my own, and the liquor reps they would uh, 
they would drop off like products. Mm-hmm. I remember when Saint Germain was like a test market. Mm. Yeah, and I hated it. <laughs> what, hated what, you, what were you thinking about it? I didn't. Li- I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I, it was a different flavor. I didn't, was. It was unfamiliar. And you have to think like I was already like playing with everything that was behind the bar because I was just trying to taste as much as I can sure, so I can just like combine things, you know, just to make a cocktail. But then they started noticing the liquor reps and they were like, always leave me product. And they're like, hey, in a week, give me like four or five cocktails. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, still, well, it, still it, not knowing how to make a Manhattan. Though. But it still appeals to your creative mind. So I'm going to step back and say, because we're both Aquariuses. Okay? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I have a, a wonderful mate from London who thinks my belief in astrology is <sighs> fucking rubbish, right? <sighs> but, but you're a thinker, right? Yeah. You, do you think more than you feel things? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know how to answer that because my when you, when you talk about feel like feel everything and anything and yeah. I feel a lot. Yeah, and I think my I think emotion I'm more emotionally connected to anything than actually really truly than I think about it. Yeah, like that for me it's more of a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Do you you know. We talk about kind of where you, where you grew up, and I guess I want to dive into this dance thing too. I love the arts in that sense, you know. But being in this industry, being surrounded by people, and as a mentor, you know, you get a lot of love from people. I think mm-hmm. they respect you and admire you. Do you feel that? Do you, you allow yourself to believe that people really support you and love you in this way for what you've done? Um. Uh, yeah, I do. It's humbling because. Uh, you know, when you're raised in an environment growing up that the support wasn't there. Yeah. And so I, in my head, I'm always like, oh, they like me. But in, but I'm also like, mm, they, no, they don't. Right. You know? It's it's like two double-edged sword yeah. kind of. Because I always feel when someone says, oh, my gosh, you're, you know, we would just want to get to know you. And I'm like, do you really? I'm like, yeah. why? Why? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, but I mean, like growing up, it was difficult. So I had to like really just count on myself to to do anything to entertain to yeah. dress to even pay myself attention because i wasn't getting that at home part of a big because i know you've got a sister are you part of a big family um immediately no no, no. um my dad's side of the family is pretty large we're all connected yeah but we yeah we it was so yeah. you, so tell me was, same yeah. thing for me i moved around all the time Hence why I'm very solitary, and that's where I go. Very because, solitary. Right? Because it's yeah. like, I'm the only one that's been consistent. Right. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yes, there are wonderful people in my life. And it Absolutely. Keeps, keeps yeah. grow. But I have that same thing, where it's like, yeah, but really? Do you really want to care about me? Why? You know? I it's, I deal with that every day. It's hard, right? It's hard. Because as, as much as we love, we love. We yes, love to yeah. love, and we care about Deeply, everyone, sure. right? I always find myself like, I hope when, when I say something to someone, they know it's coming from my heart. Because right. I'm not going to just tell you that I think you're talented or I think there's something there yeah. or we can work together. Or, nor am I going to tell you, like, I really don't like this. Yeah. Uh, I think that you should change this and it not have a meaning. Like, I'm not going to say anything just to say it. Right, right. right. Um, but I want them to know that I actually really truly care. If I didn't care, I just wouldn't talk to you. Of course, right. Right. And that's good though at least you're not blowing smoke i hate that part yeah. talking for talking sake but but the thing is that what confuses a lot of people and i've learned this from even my past partners is that i'm so quick to shut down and go into my own yes. solitary yes. zone 
and would not invite anyone in. Totally. And it's because I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um, it's because that um, I'm used to just being by myself and dealing with things on my own. Yeah. For so long. And that's the only way I can deal with. Dude, that's exactly. I'm going through this right now, too. It's like, would you. All right. So in maybe your most recent or uh, an older relationship or whatnot, when things get really, really hard, did you feel like just walking away and shutting down or did you want to confront it and dig out? The well, it, it depended. Yeah. Like depending on like what the, the scenario was. Like yeah. a lot of times at the beginning, yeah. I'm like, let's deal with it because I really like you. But once I'm over it, yeah. once we're done, uh, I'm just like, there's no, I'm out. yeah, I'm out. So, oh, I'm out. Yeah, I'm yeah, totally. It's easy to disconnect. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I, it's way easy. It's almost I, sociopathic. It's sad. You know? It's sad. I tell like, like my friends' friends, the people that know me, yeah. they know that I'm not selfish, but when I have to be, I'm going to be selfish right. and you're going to know it. Sadly, you know, I, that's the thing about us Aquarians is that we will give you the shirts of our bags, right. um, but we'll take it right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's affecting us, that's right. It's very strange, but it is. It is. Very it is oh, it's very much like that. And I go through that too. And you know, you're just a few years older than me, but we have, in some sense, some similar backgrounds. Yeah. It feels like so. Your interest in art and dance early on, and performance. Where does that come from? The family? Does that come from you seeing a music video at one point? Like, where did that inspiration to pursue that come from? Um, it came from the environment, right? Yeah. So I grew up in like early '80s. Yes. <laughs> So it was like breakdancing everywhere. Yeah, amazing. And uh, <laughs> me and my downstairs neighbor, we used to put on little talent shows. So I, you hear that story all the time, yeah. right? I'll never forget. It was 1980, I think it was the 1986, 1984 mm -hmm. American Music Awards. Oh, yeah. Janet Jackson Control versus Whitney Houston, How Will I Know? I learned the oh entire God, routine to Janet Jackson Control and taught it to the girl downstairs that we no performed kidding. it. Yeah. And so with that, there was this another young lady, her name was Dina Cabrera, I never forget her name. She was a, uh, a, a, a hip hop, a pop locker. Okay. And, and this it was hot, we're talking like, this is the era, this yeah, is the time, right? right? Carbo boxes outside, like, mommy, I want a windbreaker, for what? Because yeah. I want to break dance, that Electric kind of thing. Electric Boogaloo, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Electric Boogaloo was little... more like late 70s. Oh, early. it is, okay. We're talking like, full on. Got it, okay. A b-boy, you yeah. know? And she was on this show called Pop. It was called pop. It was on like, I just say WB, right? Yeah, it was sure, just like sure. a music. It was a music show, like a Soul Train, or okay. uh, but it was all b boys and box uh, breakdancers. And she was going to the school called named Jose Feliciano Feliciano School of the Performing Arts, and she was in the seventh grade. Uh -huh. And my mom and her mom they became close, and they they were just discussing me like dancing randomly, and they were like, "Why don't you have an audition for the school?" And I did. And I Amazing. got in. Yeah. So that's the beginning. Yeah. The 80s. Oh man. my gosh. You ready for this? Yeah. So we're talking 19, what? 1985, 1986? Yeah. I live in Brooklyn. I live in Flappers, Brooklyn. And the, the performing arts school was at in East Harlem on oh, 103rd shit. and 1st Avenue. Whatever age I was at that time, I would have to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning by myself and get on that train and go all the way to East Harlem. Because you're probably like 10 or 11, right? Probably, I don't even say probably younger than that. Jeez. Yeah. And already you're just you're setting, up, setting Ma, sail. Yeah, mom's you know. like, you know, is this what you want to do? I'm like, you just. I was never afraid. Yeah. It was like, you just have to do it, you know? 
Um, but I, when I think about it now, I'm like, you, the kids can't even go outside and play anymore. It's play dates. Right, right. My mom had my bum going. It's like, you get on the train. Here's your token. Yeah. Or you get your school pass and go all the way. That's like an hour and a half, two hour train ride. <laughs> That's incredible. I could have gotten all kind of kidnapped. And, yeah. Uh, like, but, but it seems like New Yorkers don't give a shit about that. Kidnapping, like, you know, subway, everybody's just trying to do their thing. You know, back then, actually, they were, when I think about it, like, I would always, there was always an adult going, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going geez. to school. Like, okay. You know, so there was always someone there protecting oh, or see. watching. Yeah. Randomly. It was like, where are you going? Like, all the time, it's like, I'm like, you know, a little kid, like, yeah. with rush hour, like, going to school in a backpack, you know, yeah. excited about going to dance class that day. Yeah, it's so incredible. So funny. So, you mean, from early on, you're yeah. very tenacious and focused and determined dude. Yeah. And so that turns into high school you're doing dance and performance arts it's a school well. of performing arts yeah. but so given that you're studying hospitality and stuff at georgia state and, and that's an interesting selection too i guess i'm not sure how the program goes but was there a next step to say i'm gonna go to a bigger maybe broadway kind of thing in new york itself well then there was this thing called coming out i see and uh which directed my life to another path what, so, so how did that affect I can't possibly know what that feels like. I've got some things that my family don't doesn't know about, right. and I don't know if I could ever tell them. Right. So, so I've got that feeling. Right? right. Important thing. Right. But for you at that point, how did it change your life? Gosh, I mean, well, I I always knew that I had something different about me. Yeah. Um, and I I'll never forget the, the first day I came out was October twenty second, nineteen ninety two. Ninety two. Remember the day that I came out to myself. Yeah. Oh shit. To myself, I always knew I was gay, uh, but that I, I wanted to ready for this. Yeah. I was doing a talent show the next weekend, uh -huh. and there was a young lady in my building. Her name was Elaine. Elaine figured her last name, and she had a video camera. And I was like, "Can I borrow your video camera for this talent show?" She was always trying to get me downtown to the village because uh -huh. she knew I was funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, "You come down to the village with me," and I just go, "No, I'm not going to the village with you," because I knew I didn't want her to know. Yeah. You know? And so the one day I gave in, I was like, okay, you're going to let me the videotape the camera? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I'll go with you to the village. And then we went down to the village. I walked down the street with her and like all these guys were just like paying me all the attention that I always wanted, yeah. like out in public. And I thought like, oh shit, I'm in heaven. I'm home. Yeah. I'm finally home. And I met these guys and they were like, come to the club tonight. And I'm like, Elaine, we have to go to the club. Okay, <laughs> now keep in mind, I'm like a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like sixteen or something. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, I was sixteen going on seventeen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she's like, "You want to come to the club?" I'm like, "Look, you brought me out here. Let's do I, this thing." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "My mom, she's going because my mom was like start restarting her life because my mom and dad separated. So that's how yeah. I moved from Brooklyn to Harlem. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and uh, so my mom's gonna leave at ten o'clock. So you come get me at ten o'clock, but we have to be home by before one. We went down to the club. I'll never forget. It was this massive club. The legendary sound factory. And oh I yeah! Sat on the speaker and watched all these kids just vogue with like all these lights, yeah, and just fashion. And I got into the club free. They were like, we "Put you on the guest list." This is yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah, that was my coming out. And so as soon as that happened, every weekend, mommy, I'm going to study with uh, Messiah. We're going to go to the library. I was right down, right down in, uh, in the village, being a baby key, a baby queer. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's funny. it feels like a great place to be able to do that versus like being in Houston. 
for instance, right? In the 90s. That right. It would be totally different kind of situation. But at what point was it something could, you could even broach that topic with your mom? Um, I didn't. My She was... It was I tough? told my dad before I told my mom. Oh, no kidding. So there's this story in between, right? So because I was like now fascinated in this whole culture that yeah. I was just like, I'm home, I'm heaven, took me, took my focus away from, you know, studying, sure, going yeah. to school, uh, continuing to dance mm-hmm. in, in, in school, like that kind of dance. Yeah. I was also like a star on a swim team and a track team. So yeah. I went from all that to just like not even going to class wow. and uh my mom found out and she like shipped me to she shipped me to south carolina to finish high school at my uh aunt's house because i was like i was no doing so kidding. well in school she's like you're not going to ruin your life because i don't know what you're doing although yeah. she didn't know but she didn't know exactly because i had a, a boyfriend at that time that i was like pretty much staying at his house yeah but she wasn't paying attention or she was but doesn't really didn't wasn't really caring. Or, i don't yeah. know yeah it's still an ongoing thing today, to to this day. Okay. Yeah, it's really messed up. Now, anyway, with that, I went to school, met some people in Georgia, and that's why I went to college okay. in Georgia. That makes sense. Um, but so came back. I was lifeguarding, and lifeguarding for the summer, and I knew I was going to Georgia. So the day before, I told my mom a week before I was moving to Georgia. I have saved up all my money. I bought a 1989 Honda Accord. Nice. I had a place to stay. And uh, the day before I was going, my mom, she would go out every weekend and she would say, can you, hungover, of course, can you go to the store, get me a, oh, she's going to hate this, but uh, can you go to the store, get me a box of Newport, Oxels of Cold Plus, and an Advil <laughs> every Sunday faithfully, every, every Sunday. So that day, I went down to the store, I got all the things, came up, and like, it was like noon, I was leaving around three. Yeah. And I went to her room and she was like, okay, so we should have the conversation. And I was like, oh, oh wait, so she, she was like, dum, dum, dum. she prompted it. Holy shit. Yeah. So before that, I, my dad, he picked me up from when I graduated from high school in, uh-huh. in South Carolina. So he picked me up and we got our bags and we took the bus back to New York. Yeah. And I was like, I have something to tell you. Because at that time, I this was like, I think it was like two years, maybe like, I was full and gay. Like, I was part of, like, I'm still part of, like, the ballroom scene and Mm. houses. I'm competing with, like, Face and, like, Legendary now and all this stuff. So I was like, I got something to tell you, Dad. And my dad and I, we had this, like, really bonding moment. He told me something really personal. And then that that allowed me to tell him something personal. I was like, please don't tell Mom. Um, And so he didn't, surprisingly. And uh, and then, oh, my gosh, that's something funny. So I told Mom, and we cried it out. Yeah. And the great thing was that I didn't have to deal with her face-to-face because I was, like, leaving to go to Georgia, right, like, right. in a couple of hours. But my sister, she was always a slick at... She's so slick at the mouth. She, she had said something to me on the phone. Uh, or she, like, called me out of my name, as she always did as uh-huh. a child. And I was like, well, you don't have to do that anymore because Mommy already knows that I'm gay, too. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's. I mean, I can't imagine how stressful it is. It was stressful, but I, I had a my gay, my gay father. God bless the dead. May he rest in peace. He used to always say to me, if, "As long as your mother and your father accept you, no one else in this world matters." And she, yeah. he was like, "Make that," because he didn't have a good relationship with his parents, but he was also a generation older than me. Right, so like, right. that wasn't happening, you know. Uh, but he saw that we were our parents were coming around and they were being a bit more acceptive and he's like talk 
just when you have that time, that moment, talk to your, you know, your uh, mom and dad and make sure that they're you're okay with you. And because that relationship is important, they're yeah. not going anywhere. And uh, as soon as my mom and dad, they were like, yeah, okay, cool, we knew. I was like, all right, great, fine. I'm coming out. I'm out, out yeah, now. Yeah, I'm out. And it's the first wave, really. Yeah. yeah. And my mom was like, just, just do me a favor. Please just don't get up in women's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Just, just don't get up in women's clothes. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, I was like, you don't have to worry about that. I, I've done enough of your clothes throughout my younger years, mom. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's... But that seems like that's where things really truly began. Yeah. For you. Actually... Yeah, in a great way. I felt really, I felt, I felt empowered. I felt supported. Yeah. I went to, I was in Georgia with people that I was just now knowing. And this was like two years before the Olympics. Yeah, like yeah. there was just so many things going on. And I was like part of this ballroom culture. If you know what ballrooms are. I do, no, tell me what you, you ever heard of Paris is Burning? You ever seen that documentary? It's it about sounds that. really familiar, yeah. On the ground, like, um, underground competition is essentially it's like the gay hollywood right okay. and you join these houses and essentially these houses were like your family right that's what really? it all okay. stems okay. from like the 60s yeah. right and then um you would go to these big massive competitions right and compete in like different things like fashion v runway vogue huh. um uh bizarre right. you know and then you had like you know the drag queens that looked really real it was like it was called like from queen realness and you had like the guys, the gay guys that looked really butch. It was sure. like butch realness. And then you had like, you know, the pretty boys. And yeah. they like, we walked face and we battled each other like voguing around our faces. No like, yeah, it was this big. It's, this is, now it's at this point, it's global. Yeah, wow. But it's still underground. It's fantastic. It was the best thing I could ever be a part of. The yeah. house, I'm the house of Milan. My name is Dwayne Milan. I'm legendary face. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, it's a community, that, which it's is a really community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, and you can take it for wherever because I mean you have to think you have all these kids that are so talented yeah. and it just boosted your self esteem. Now where you went with it is up to you. Sure. Now I know people that are still involved in the ballroom scene, which is good because you kind of need that leadership role. But right. like, their personal lives are not that great, you know what I mean? But yeah. they're fabulous here, but they're not good here. Um, you have a, a lot of people, a lot of my mentors, um, my brothers and sisters. They're like, one is a huge designer, just showcasing Fashion Week. Wow. I mean, we have all. My friends have touched every celebrity possible in styling, like yeah. fashion, fashion. Where I get my style from? Yeah, these guys. That's amazing. These guys, like every. I mean, so it's all where you want to go with it. And it's funny that I was the only one out of our group, and my house is like the house, like yeah. the house of Milan. Like no one gets into the house of Milan. You have to have this something special about right, you. Right. Uh, that's why it's sometimes when I'm like that. And confidence or that arrogance come out. It's be like, Dolly, I'm a Milan. Get out of here. You don't want this, right? <laughs> you know, that's still there. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. I'm the only one out of that, those group of people that went to this side. That's so crazy. And uh, I used to always admire them because they were all like fashion and they like styling from Mary J. Blige and Jennifer Hudson. Like, these just, they're just things. And, yeah. and now, well, not now, but it's been a while. They're like, you're like we we work together because I got the booze and they got the you know the celebrity. It's total like, parallel. Like, oh yeah, just they're industries that really touch each other. Oh all yeah, the time. it's so funny. It's 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 bizarre. I mean, because I always see them as like they watch me grow up. Yeah, they've watched me grow up, and not a lot of us, sadly to say, have made it. You know, past a certain time. Right. You know, or a lot of my generation. Um, didn't pursue their careers because they wanted to venture and live in this lifestyle. 
I always thought about what my mom said, you know, not only do not get up and drag, but remember you're, <laughs> you're cute, right? you know, you're intelligent. You know, Use that to make something out of it. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that I'm intelligent. I know I'm cute, but <laughs> I got something special. I want I believe in that. Yeah. Well, you know, so here's the thing. So t- just literally talking about, or not literally talking about, but talking about how you talk. Okay. This is something I fixate on when I interview people. It's like, what words do they use? What mannerisms do they use, right? I do I've kind of had to learn this over year, over the few years now, right. how to talk to people and kind of control a conversation or lead a conversation. Is a better word for it. But I'm just like enraptured by your fucking every word. I'm like, I'm on. I'm just hinging, like waiting on each one because you you deliver it in this amazingly eloquent way. You're not stuttering. You're really? not saying um and uh. You've got command of your language. I mean, this is really fun for me just to sit here and listen to you tell me this story. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And I don't know, maybe you don't know that. Maybe you've never thought about that, that you actually can communicate like that to people. Mm. You know? I mean, that's something, man. That's a talent. I don't know. I I see it as, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, yeah. you, you just know. do it, right? But if you're referring to that thing that people say, oh, you're from New York. You talk no, no, New no, York, no, no. Like, oh. No, you're not. It's not a novelty. <laughs> I mean, you have a command of language. I can tell. It's really, really a pleasure to just like hear you talk. I don't always get that. Some oh. people definitely have that. So something that was, you know, I saw you last week. There's a couple of Bacardi folks in town. Stilo, I finally get to meet Stilo. Ma- amazing spending time with him. Love him. And amazing that he's never done anything like this in advanced media before. Like it perplexes me. He hasn't. Yeah, he said he's never done an interview this first time. So I mean, it was great because this is very natural. But. Th- you're doing so much for so many people. You're in and out of town all the time. And there was the Houston piece was a hurricane and having to corral people together and build a stronger community again, much like what you're talking about with the ballroom. If that's mm-hmm. Are you, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm concerned, right? Cause we're, I would consider us friends, but I want to know you more for sure and spend mm-hmm. more time with you. But being an Aquarian and mm-hmm. doing these things for other people all the time, mm-hmm. does it take its toll on you eventually? Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I, 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 I mm, yeah. I should have told you not to talk about this, but no, oh. um, yeah, no, this was a uh, pretty, this was rough. I just and felt like you emotionally, that it was, you were fractured. Like you, something y- really hurt you. Yeah. It was all, it was everything. Yeah. It was everything. Cause you know, I come from extremely humble beginnings and like, and just to see whether you have money or not, but just to see everything lost. Yeah. Like, I, I can imagine at any point in my life, even today, like, I take it, I, I take that penny. I, if you drop a penny on the floor, I'm going to pick it up because you know I'm going to need that one day, right? Sure, so, sure. like, you just think of, like, if they would just take everything away from me, I, I would know what to do because I'm a survivor, but I wouldn't know what to do. Right. And I didn't know what to do with this. I did not know what to do with this at all. I'm emotionally spent. Yeah. It's it's taking a serious toll on me personally. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's just nonstop. Because all I want to do is just like care and give back to everyone. And there's not there's nothing you can do. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. <sighs> and then the, the little things that I do do. Oh gosh, I keep referring to the story, but. I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, they needed drivers to like, you know, take some food right. uh, down to uh, 
to Beaumont and Port Arthur and, right. and whatnot. And I was like, you know, I was on my computer working as I do in the daytime. And I'm like, like they need help. And, you know, eight, I was going to say Adrian, but Bacardi, they know, they, they know my heart. So, yeah. you know, like, look, I'll get in trouble for taking a couple of hours off to give back to anyone. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you did that. You know, I could see that, but it it felt like, you know, I don't know, man. I just I kind of felt it. I felt the sadness and maybe the the sense of loss and stuff. You know, it's, it's just like you just don't want you want everyone to like succeed and yeah. win and or or th- even if they go through something traumatizing or bad, and right. just think positive and you know the first. You know, week or so, everyone's just like in it. They're like, we're, you know, she's so strong and we're survivors. And I'm like, yes, this, you know, the city has, it's, this is what I needed from you guys. Sure. But like, you can, you know that although this outside, this exterior is that positive, that resilient person that everyone needs. Yeah. And you need to put that on so everyone could come up together. Right. But inside, when you could go inside and know that you're like, where am I living for the next couple of weeks? Right, right. Is it going to be the next couple of weeks? What is my neighbor doing? Because, like, I'm concerned about myself, but I want to be concerned with them. Like, sure. what are they doing down the block? I don't even know who they are. Yeah. It's just like... It's those- hard. Because you, because you, I, I think we lose ourselves in our servitude to other people. You know what I mean? Like, we don't necessarily... We, we can be selfish when we withdraw emotionally, but when there's so much help that needs to happen, it's hard for us to not... We take care of ourselves for it. you know we don't but it goes back to it goes back to what we discussed earlier right so like at this point like yesterday i i i, I thought last i said last week i was good and i had a couple of days i'm like i'm not going to think about it yeah. i did all i could do i mean there's still so much more and there's sure. things that i have frustrating there's things that i there's something that i have that i'm ready for it to just grow on so we can just be, be more prepared there's no way sure. to be prepared but anyway anyway so those are where I'm allowing that outlet to go yeah. into is just this one thing. Opportunities. Thing. Yeah. But um, so I was I was fine. I was really fine. I was like, I'm not gonna do anything else right now. I'm just gonna like stay away. And then I helped one of my fellow peers yesterday and like having to go to her childhood home and like yeah. destroy it. Fucking ruined right, me. Right. Because then she's like standing, she's just like, I'm fine, everything's fine, I haven't lived here in like four or five years, but I'm like, and me personally, I'm like, this is where you grew up, like, right. you remember the stain on your wall, you yeah, know what I mean, because yeah. you probably did something, you know what I mean, like, these are memories that are gone forever, right. and so you have like, not just one person or two people, you have a whole community of people that, guess what, are just going to have to hold on to those memories, yeah. and then remember the memory of why it was destroyed, Yeah. Uh, which ruins me because like i just want us all to like live in a life of bliss and like happiness and yeah, i but, know that's not reality but, but so, like so here let, let me offer an alternative take on it okay so i do that same thing man this outpouring and then feeling how other people are feeling and then just kind of absorbing it and then taking it and owning it you know to just help other people not have to feel that thing and that's really tough and it will <laughs> it really really erodes us at the core makes us sad because we really feel for people you know but there, here's the thing Memories of your childhood, memories of love had, love lost. Mm-hmm. Everything is lost eventually. Death and destruction to some extent is just part of this whole thing. Right. So having those moments of which you truly interacted with maybe 
the basement where you played pool or the front yard where you were shooting basketball, right? Like shooting hoops, whatever. Like that's the moment that you want. Right. That's all you need. You know, you don't have to revisit it. Right. You just need that halcyon moment that you're always going to have in your head. And that's that's where that's what really matters. This is should be in those moments, you know? You're you're absolutely right about that. I'm remember we also discussed of like I'm more emotional. Yeah. Right? So even every time I go to New York City, I take a day well, every time. I've only been here a year. But mm-hmm. like in the summertime, I'll like and I rented a car while I was in New York. Yes, once in a while I would drive. <laughs> yeah. I've been driving since I was sixteen. Um, still in my sister's car to go down to the village to be gay. Um, <laughs> I, I would get a car and I would drive to Coney Island. I would go down my memory lane of yeah. going up. I Every summer I was like, I'm going to go to Coney Island. I'll ride the rides by myself. Yeah. I'll get the candies from the candy shop that I used to go to. And then I'll take Ocean Parkway down to Beverly Road. Mm. And I'll get, ah. Uh, and I'll just stop, park in front of my building and just yeah. like, revisit those memories so like where you're saying like loss and the, those memories are there yeah yeah those memories are always going to be there i personally like to see those memories yeah i get, I like I get that it's so it for other people it's just like okay it's gone it's gone for me it's like i can't even throw out a lollipop if it has a sentimental i've right. held lollipops for years yeah. because i'm like oh my dad gave this to me i'm gonna hold on to it i'm right. not a hoarder but i have th- <laughs> i have things that yeah. i'm like I'm, i refuse to throw it away because there's a reason for it yeah and then one day i'll just say okay you know what someone else needs this more than i do yeah but it takes a long time for me to it's interesting to need that the physical manifestation of the memory because things were always taken away from me as a child that makes sense. oh gosh everything was taken away from me yeah do you have any possessions that you keep and kind of hold very very close to your heart everything anything anything that has any any value to me personally yes yes i tell you man i've had wanted things as a child as we all do and you know maybe the thing came into my life and Mm -hmm. like Without even a question, it was gone. It was taken away. Yeah. So anything that I get, I'm like, it's, it's mine. I'm holding on to it. Yeah. Protective. Oh gosh. Yeah. Please, if you knew my story, I was actually talking to the guy earlier, this guy earlier about um, the legacy competition, mm-hmm. and I was just like, go back to those memories that that just inspire you. Yes. Go back to that childhood, and even if it's bad, because like those memories I have, my memories. I've had some really good memories, but sure. I've had some really fucked up memories yeah. that like no child should experience, right? Right, and um, and I pushed them to the side because I'm a Mr. Positive, and I would not let that dark demon out or right there. But the reality, how I got to this place, is for understanding why I had to go through that moment. And so, I <laughs> me developing and evolving as a human being i have to like remember deal with and like head on deal yeah, with yeah in order for me to push path push past and still to this day i'll tell you i still have i still fight not fight but like fight to my mom and my dad about the things that they put me through yeah and uh because I and I still haven't dealt with it as right. much as I feel like I have. It's so hard to, because oh, it's head on. You know what I mean? Feelings of inadequacy, feelings of safety, 
security. Uh, These things are fucking hard to yeah. deal with, you know? I mean, do you, I've met a couple people that live and die by going to therapy. You have any thoughts on that? No, no. I, um, I was it that I was going to therapy at one time yeah. and I was just like, ugh, this is not good. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, you know, I always, uh, every time, like, I, I don't tell many people these stories, but when I, when I let you know, yeah. you get who I am, that's when it clicks. Cause yeah. like I, as those Aquarians, we still will let you in, sure. but we keep you at a distance. Totally. We're very mysterious. Right. Yeah. But when I let you see, hear that part of it, then you're like, okay, I get why you're this way. Yeah. Um, so that's my therapy and i'm like gosh i feel good yeah, yeah. i feel good what yeah. do you do to recharge so if you if i said Dwayne, you gotta take two weeks off what would you go do with it so that ride you could... roller coasters yeah go yeah. back to yeah. yeah um i i'm a 41 year old man that still has a, a child as a you know my inner child still yeah. uh, alive and well alive and well <laughs> yeah no i need to be around I need to be in the sun. I need bright early mornings. Yeah. And if the early morning just so happened to be the first person at an amusement park to get on a roller coaster because I'm part of the roller coasters enthusiast, enthusiast club. No shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, that's what I need. Like, yeah. give me sun. That's why I'm in Texas. Yeah. I was leaving New York. I was like, the last winter, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. And like, I just need to get out of this gloom, this Gotham City. I love New York. I love them. I'm always going to be a New Yorker, but I needed to leave, and I was going to Miami because every time I go to Miami, yeah. it's just so beautiful and live. And they have me in Texas, and I'm like, I'm in Texas, and I'm here, and I'm like learning all the things in Texas and yeah. working like hard. So like learning and working, I'm challenged. I'm so challenged in the best way possible. Yeah. And like, although Texas doesn't have the Miami palm trees and the blue ocean, right. like it has a completely different vibe and feel that I enjoy. I I love driving through like, the as I say, through the entire state of Texas. Yeah. Like, give me, a, give me a reason to come to Austin. I'm like, okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> I was like, man, you're really willing to drive to Austin. You oh, must enjoy that. Do you know the story of like, I needed, before Francois was coming into town uh -huh. and things needed to get done and I was so frustrated. I woke up in the morning, I had breakfast in Houston, I had lunch in Dallas, I had dinner in Austin and I had a nightcap back in Houston. No kidding. And I was like, this what? That's fucking, that's a, that's a gauntlet. And one day, yeah, I incredible. felt so good. I got, I got, I went to, I went to the bar with Alex Diaz. I was like, I can't believe you did this. I was like, so hyped up. Yeah. I did a shot. I was like, okay, I'm going back. <laughs> I was so excited, man. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's brilliant. So the sun is something you really thrive on. I just like, I love an adventure, and yeah. like coming here, living here in Texas. Like, I, I knew no one. I never visited the state. I didn't even know what the city. I still don't know where I live in the city. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> you know, so like every day is a new day, right? Sure. And I need that. I need that challenge. I need that. I was like driving in a neighborhood. The, I'm like, I've, the other day, I'm like, I've never been here. And I've been looking for soul food, like soul food. Sure, sure. Not barbecue soul food, yeah. not an Asian and food soul food. Like I want some soul food. I want something like stick to your ribs. Right, right. And I, I've been searching, looking, and every place I've gone has been like this Creole style, occasion style. And I'm like, yeah. ah. And I was driving through this neighborhood the other day, and I see Alfredo's, and I'm like, Alfredo's, and I'm like, oh. And I pull over, and I go get the menu, and I'm like, this is exactly what oh, I've been looking amazing. for. So like, all this is like, all I still haven't gone to Chinatown, and right. I love Chinese food, right? So I'm still like exploring. It's exploring. all new. It's all new. Right? I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Yeah, and Houston's massive. Forget about Houston. Well, Texas. I mean, 
I any, mean, Dallas, Austin, dude, everywhere. Every time I get into the city, I'm like, okay, I need to go somewhere that I have like um right before the hurricane, mm. days before the hurricane. A whole bunch of the USBG Houston members, we were down here, and we went to Barton Springs. Oh, Barton yeah. Springs, right down the block. Yeah. Didn't even know this. That's I'm amazing. like, look at how great this is. Yeah. That's Randomly. stuff, sure. So it's good. So you're just feeling it and going through all these new experiences. Ah. So it's almost the opposite of New York. And Stila said the same thing, actually. He had this moment where it's like, I can't do this anymore. This winter oh. is killing me. New York, I mean, look. I always say this, if you can survive in New York as an adult and yeah. you've done it for a while, then you're good. Yeah. There's no need for you. You're good because it takes a lot on you. It's yeah. like constant, constant. I lived on the 14th floor oh. for 15 years and you would think that I lived outside, like the sirens were in you. Like you had to like play your TV the entire day just to drown out some of the noise right. outside. Oh, that's crazy. Like your mind is just constantly going. And so like, you either keep up with it or you fall behind. And if you fall behind, then that's it, right? Yeah. But your energy is always up. It's always there's like, you know, and I'm just like, look, I just want to relax a bit, you know, because yeah. there's no relaxing. Right. Like, you, you, the, the, the few days in New York City where it's quiet, you're like, wow, Whoa. it's quiet. What's up? You know what I mean? You're like, what's going on? Looking at, you know, the buildings, like something's weird. Sure. I and I was do just it, tired. Man. I was yeah. tired of it. I, I need that, that yeah. quiet, that kind of rest, the harmony. Oh. Uh, I I mean, I like I just I love I love I love it. And I'm not just saying it's to say, but I love Texas because it gives me that right amount of energy, yeah. right? If you want it, it's there, but you can easily just be there but across the street sure. and it's just dead quiet. Yeah. <gasps> I knew it. I've never cooked so much in my entire life. Oh no kidding. Oh my gosh. I don't watch TV anymore. Yeah. I'm like I've never been in my I've never been in an apartment where I had nothing on. Like I like literally like get work done with like no music, no TV. I'll just like wash dishes every once in a while yeah. with nothing on, just me and silence. And I'm just like I would two years ago that was impossible. Yeah. I'm like as soon as I get into the house, I would turn on the TV, turn on the radio and the radio, and turn them both up. So and do whatever I need to do. It's almost yeah. like traumatizing. Yeah, you know. Well, so this is this is it's fateful in a way that we're meeting now because I think it's been the first time we actually met. You, you were here with Camille, and you've introduced me to some of the fucking most brilliant folks I've ever met that are on the planet, which is incredibly grateful for that. And I can't tell you how I, I don't even know how to express my gratitude for that for mm -hmm. you being this matchmaker of sorts for me, and I really appreciate that. But this Thank is you. a a year in now with Picardi. Feels like a really good match. All of your staff, if you like, call them staff. They they looks they look up to you. They think so much of you, and everybody just like they just really appreciate you. You mm. know, is this this seems like a great fit for you? It feels right. I, you know, I work for like one of my main mentors. He's like you know Mr. Brand Ambassador years two years ago. You know, if mm. he says it's okay for me to work with him. Yeah. I'm like, God darn it, that's an honor. If Bacardi says it's okay, if Bacardi trusted me to like move to Texas not knowing anyone and they right. trusted me, I was like, oh wow, this is, I'm humbled by it all. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah. I count my blessings, I'm grateful, I am. And, I, and I'm gonna do my best to just, you know, do whatever they need from me because yeah. I'm like, they've changed the course of my life. Um, and I, I, you know, yeah, I guess I've made an impact on some people, yeah. I guess, but like, I always feel like the new kid on the block. 
mm. has something to prove. Sure. Right. So, I mean, for, forever steel is like, oh, you're one of my mentors. I'm like, dude, I just introduced you to white people. You know, like, I'm still being mentored. Right. I'm well, still you, being mentored. you, I think, understand that learning never stops. Never stops. Growing never stops. And I'm never gonna ever. I'll well, I'll let you believe one thing. Like, if for you, my attitude is gonna be like, I'm the best at everything. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm like one of the most humble, caring guys, and I like. I literally count my blessings every day that, you know, this conglomerate of a company gave this little Spanish gay boy yeah. from Harlem an opportunity to represent that entire portfolio. Do you see that portfolio? Oh, man, no that's way too expensive for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, I don't know. I'm like, you sure you want to leave that with me? <laughs> I mean, you know, my credit's not the best, you know. Um, no, it's just, um, you know, it's, but with that, I stay in that zone and I think of Colin and I think of like Philip Pepperdine and the Esteban Adonias and the Albert Trummers and the Miguel Alandas, all those guys that were there for me, the Simon Fords, yeah. you know, Dushan Zarek, when I needed a question, they were there for me and humbly so. And I've always been so grateful for them. And the only thing I could do is be that person for the kids that are coming up. Totally. And it's whether you want to hear what I have to say or not. Just know that I care. And if you want, I'm more than happy to like yeah. sit down and talk to you. And if if you just want to get drunk together, we could do that as well. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's just like it's it's the cycle. Like I, I, I'm not doing my job if I'm not gearing the next generation to be successful. Yeah. Because they've done theirs. I'm with them. I'm working with them. I sit in a room. The first the, the first meeting I had uh, as a summit sitting with these people that I've admired for years. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it, I'm sitting next to them. It's amazing. I what? This is for so every time we like we we're, we're together, I just sit back going. Yeah, okay, good. You got a seat at the table now. I get to sit at the table. Right. I was always a kid that was like, okay, just admiring from a distance. I would like hang out with them, but then, you know, they would go with their cool kids crew, right, you know, right. and I'm like sneaking in there, but I'm not part of it, but I'm still there. Like, yeah. I'm going to be here. Um, but to finally get there, it's just like, I was like, well, I cry over everything. Everyone who knows me knows I cry over everything. But I was like, literally, like, tears were just dropping. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I can't fuck this up, Dwayne. <laughs> like, I can't fuck this up. Well, you've done a fabulous job so far. Thank you. Just a year. It's work. Yeah. I enjoy. I've never been more challenged in my entire life until Texas. It's like nonstop. Yeah. And I enjoy every bit of it. It's and, fulfilling, you know, right? It is fulfilling. But in, one, in, in every person's life, you need that challenge and you need these obstacles that come in in your way in your path and you have to find ways around over and just knock them down yeah. and i've had them through i've had more obstacles throughout this year than i could just remember for the past five six seven years sure. and for the hurricane to come in to close out my year ending i'm like all right you good are we good up there because like <laughs> look i want to have my year two just be like seamless i want to take all the work that i've done right. and really grow it you of know course, what i mean like yeah. you guys know me you know what i'm about let's play let's play together because i'm right. here for us i'm here for the community and they trust me yeah. florida trust me those people in florida they trust me at least i think they do but while they do let's work together and take advantage of it yeah because all i want to do is just make sure we all grow that's of it course. 
Well, yeah, you got to move forward. That's keep it. Growing, keep learning. I yeah. want everyone to succeed. Yeah. And if I could be a part of that, their success in any which way, I want to be a part of it. That's amazing. So I want to touch on this last piece, and this is brand focused, but I'm really, I, you know, I, I didn't realize the Aberfeldy story and it, that it's kind of this root of all the blends you're saying with the doer stuff. And this 12 year, how does it make you feel? That's the thing. Because you, 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 I sipped it, I was like, shit, you're right. This is liquid gold. It's lovely. I mean, uh, here. So being hired with Bacardi, you know, knowing that they had doers, right? And I knew they had single malts, and I knew they had Aberfeldy because Aberfeldy doers the same, yeah. right? Well, it's the blend, right? Um, but I didn't know anything about the last great malts, which is this is one of the last great malts. And actually, it's the Aberfeldy distillery that they actually make doers, right? Yeah. So this is the base of it. And Aberfeldy 12-year, I was always an American whiskey guy. I love American whiskey because it has those sweet notes that I love, uh-huh. right? And then those rye has those spice notes, right? And with scotch, the single malts, I just never connected until Aberfeldy. It was just like this really rich honey. It's almost like if it was like a honey lollipop that right. just melt in your mouth. You remember this like sugar daddy's totally. kind of thing, sugar right? Dad, totally, yeah. And I was like, wow. Because I always thought of like single malts being either one really aggressive, yeah, aggressive, maybe some citrus notes, super peaty, right? Um, and then some were like easy, you know. I've had some that are really easy that I love that I was attracted to, um, but I didn't enjoy them as much as I enjoy Aberfeldy. And like Aberfeldy, the funny thing is that because it has those beautiful notes to it, mm. that it's not a single malt that you just drink in the winter, yeah, you know. No, it's nice because it would it's throw beautiful. some citrus at it. I want it chilled. I want it room temp. Like, there's all these kind of. It's just romantic tasting. Oh you know my I mean? gosh, that is the word. Yeah, that's the word right there. It's romantic tasting because it's. I don't know. It gives you something kind of sensual, but it's also really familiar and cute. It's super sense. cute. It is, um, and I, I, I hate to be the one to be like and. And that's why Jewish 12 and White Label is so fantastic because that's the base. But um, well, you get, give credit where it's due, right? Um, yeah, it's the it's the foundation of the the heart of Dewar's, yeah. the, the golden dram, the golden meaty, right? Uh, just rich in color, rich in flavor, honey, butter pecan. Yeah, oh yeah, all right? the stuff that all those things that you want, all those things, and you just like you you can have it neat on the rocks. I've made, oh, you want to laugh? Okay. Bacardi banana. Yeah. Everyone knows how much I love Bacardi banana. Right, right. I do not like bananas. I do not like bananas in general. Yeah. Never like bananas. And so Bacardi banana was like, when they told us we had to, we were going to work with it, I was so upset. I'm like, I'm not going to like this at all. So I had it sitting on my counter next to Aberfeldy for a long time. Oh, and I was like sipping on Aberfeldy and I looked at Bacardi banana and I was like, honey bananas. Oh my God, it's perfect. And I started playing with them too and then wind up, because of Aberfeldy, blame you, Aberfeldy 12 years. He's pointing at the bottle, too. <laughs> it's because I like Bacardi banana. No shit. Yeah, because I would like, I started out with Aberfeldy and then I would add a little banana, add a little banana. And then a few weeks later, I was just like sipping on banana and I'm like, I like this. Yeah. I'm like, why do I like this? Mommy, I like this banana roll. She's like, you like bananas? I'm like, I like bananas. I don't know why. I still didn't eat, I still haven't eaten a banana. Like, okay. the only time I've eaten bananas in my entire life. Was as a child, and my mom would have to uh, smush it up and put in my cereal. Mm-hmm. And the summer before I moved here, I uh, moved to Texas, I took off the summer from drinking. 
and my body was craving sugar. Yeah. And I was like, I would go to the store and get a banana, like get a, a bunch of bananas. Right, right. And my mom's like, what's up with the bananas? I'm like, I have no idea. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, Maybe you're pregnant. <laughs> I mean, if that was possible. Um, yeah, but uh, I would felt these. So that's the, for me, it's that single malt that you can actually do whatever you want with. Yeah. You can even throw some banana. Now, when I was telling my people that I was mixing it with banana, they were like pissed off. They're like, how oh, do you do this? I'm like, well, you know what? It's where I come from. Yeah, man. I'm classy and trashy. Like, <laughs> it's it's bananas foster. It's bananas really, foster. It really is, man. Yeah. That's a very very accessible yeah. thing. People have been eating it yeah. for years. It's great. Well, I, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we've taken about a year to do this. I'm so glad we were persistent, and it's just it's been a pleasure just getting Absolute to feel pleasure. this journey and kind of what you've been going through. And honestly, man, you know we gotta keep doing this. We gotta Please, keep chatting. yeah. And it's a great team in Texas. Mission oh. of Ian, you got Camille, of course, and. Francois and Julian and I, I met mean, Jamie. Like they're fucking gosh. great people, man. It's great. I work for our killer team yeah. and I'm in awe of all of them every day. Yeah. And I you know what? I came into Bacardi thinking like I cause I had a really good run with my previous brand and yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm the shit. You know what I mean? And it's almost like when you graduate from junior high school and you're the senior in junior high school and you're the man and then yeah. you get to high school and it starts all over again. That's right. Yeah. And I came into Bacardi going, Oh wait. I gotta, I gotta sit back for a while, you know, because they've been doing this for, for quite some time, sure. and just you know grow. But I came in here like, oh, I'm gonna kill this, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not gonna happen. But I look forward to that day when it's my turn. Yeah, it will be soon enough, mate. It's been brilliant chatting. You Likewise, know, hope you enjoy the rest of your trip here in Austin. I don't know if you're heading back to Houston or not, but. We'll, we'll talk more. Yes. We have to. Thanks so much, Dwayne. I'm sorry about the phone. I apologize. Oh, dude, no, it's fine. I, I'm never this busy. I'm never this popular. I no. don't believe that for one second. It's BS. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, there we have it. The mentor to this industry, the matchmaker, the charisma, the man himself, Mr. Dwayne Fernandez Jr., celebrating his one-year anniversary in Texas. I mean, it's a great way to commemorate. It was great to sit down and chat with him and to feel all the feelings, to commiserate, to try to get some things off of our chest. You know, a lot of people don't buy into astrology and that's just fine with me, but there is absolutely something very, very settling and warming and soothing about chatting with a fellow Aquarian. You should try it sometime. Thank you so much, Dwayne, for sitting down to chat with me. Really one of the greatest experiences I've had thus far doing this podcast, man. You really are a champion, and you champion the talent of others. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to View with Mike G. No matter how much you're looking forward to completing the next five songs for your third LP so you can share it with all these amazing people out there, or if you're thinking Taurus Trap came as a weird suggestion for a horror movie to watch this season, but yet was quite creepy and spooky, yes, you should Check it out. Please keep dancing.